Hello and welcome to episode number 28 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com with Tony Pauline as always, and we just broke down the offensive prospects who will be in mobile this week. So now it's time to take a look at the defense. If you had to choose, Tony, do you prefer watching the offense or the defense in an all-star setting like this? Actually, both. I mean, it depends on the players on the roster, but you're looking for different things at each position. Uh, you don't have the highest rated defensive lineman in this year's game, but there's going to be a lot to watch really on the, on, from both sides of the ball. Now, we have a couple of participation notes before we get going, like we had on the offensive show. No Chase Winovich this week, defensive end out of Michigan due to an ankle injury. Kentucky's Josh Allen will not play in the game to prep for the draft. That's a big loss as a guy who had the potential to go in the early to middle parts of round one. He would have been fun to watch down there. Linebackers Christian Miller from Alabama and DeAndre Walker from Georgia are also out. Miller has a hamstring injury, and Walker was hampered by a groin injury in the Sugar Bowl, so I'm assuming that's what's keeping him out this week as well. USC safety Marvell Tell is also not playing due to an ankle injury. Trojans cornerback and Tell's teammate, Amon Marshall, will replace him, despite the fact that Marshall is listed as a corner. As of this recording, there's just one call-up. Shrine game standout Dalen Mack from Texas A&M was added along the defensive line. Tony, is there anybody in this group you really wish you could have seen this week? Well, you know, I'm a little bit surprised about Josh Allen. Uh, I guess maybe he's reading reading into the headlines that he's a top 10 pick. I, I think he would have just enhanced his draft stock if he showed up. So I'm, I'm disappointed that he pulled out. I am glad to see Amon Marshall, basically a late call-up. I like Marshall. He's a little bit inconsistent at cornerback, but he's got uh, excellent size. He's physical. We want to see if he can make plays with his back to the ball or if he's uh, doing a lot of face guarding. You know, Daniel Wise of, Kentucky, of uh, Kansas, Daniel Wise of Kansas still seems to get little respect. In my opinion, he should be the guy that was called up to this game. He, he Daniel Mack was good there at sh- during Shrine game practices, but Daniel Wise was dominant every single day. And, you know, as I said with Fran Duffy uh, on the Journey to the Draft podcast, uh, way back in November, the fact that Daniel Wise did not get a uh, senior bowl invite, I think is, is wrong. And as we spoke in our Shrine game preview, we said that Daniel Wise was going to play with a chip on his shoulder because he didn't get the senior bowl invite, and he did exactly that. I really think if there was a call-up, it should have been Wise. Yeah, I mean, Mac is obviously a player to watch. He did play well in St. Pete, but as you mentioned with Wise, I mean, we were beating that drum from before the Shrine game, and all he did was impress throughout the week. You would think if he were to earn himself a call-up to the senior bowl, what he did in St. Pete would have been enough to get that call up. So it is kind of disappointing that after such a dominant performance and after he was sort of a borderline player for the senior bowl anyway, that he wasn't called up to this game. Do you see any other guys that maybe you don't think should be on the roster compared to some of the other guys that um, might be more like Daniel wise? You know, I don't want to say they shouldn't be on the roster, but I mean, if you look at the defensive tackle position, Kalen Saunders of Western Illinois is a very intriguing player. But I don't think he deserves to be there over Daniel Wise. Kalen Saunders is a potential late-round pick. Daniel Wise is likely a, a middle-round selection. So, I mean, that's the only one. You, you hate to say that a guy shouldn't be there. But that, again, and, and I'll just keep beating this drum for the next hour if you let me, but we don't want to do that. Uh, you, you know, there are a couple of guys, Mac should, uh, instead of Mac and instead of Kalen Saunders, I would have preferred uh, D- Daniel Wise be there. Yeah, I'm going to have to rein you in. We don't have an hour to uh, to go on that soapbox, so we'll just move on here. Uh, we'll actually look at teammate of Dalen Mack, and that's Kingsley Kiki. He's also going to be in mobile. Uh, he's a defensive tackle with first-step lineman, good quickness, taller and lighter 
than Mack. So as a result, he has some issues shedding blocks. That'll be something to watch this week. Sticking on the South squad, which is where Kiki and Mack reside, Louisiana Tech's Jalen Ferguson, Mississippi State's Montez Sweat, Georgia's Jonathan Ledbetter, several notable notable defensive ends down there. We're also going to see another Old Dominion prospect. We mentioned receiver Travis Fulgham on the last podcast. Now we have O'Shane Zamanis. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that correctly. He's far higher on draft boards than his teammate Fulgham. An explosive pass rusher. Really took his game to another level this year. 18 and a half tackles for loss. 12 sacks. Moving over to the North squad. An intriguing defensive tackle to watch is Arizona State's Rennell Wren. He's an explosive athlete at 6'6", 297. I think I've mentioned this on a prior podcast, but he made Bruce Feldman's freak list, which just goes to show how athletic he is, especially for his size. He really rose off draft boards with a good season this year. Looking at the defensive ends on the North, we have Boston College's Zach Allen, who's a definite well-rounded player, rushes the passer well, defends the run. He's intense. He's scheme-versatile. Guy who could fit as a five technique in a three four. He could be a three technique in a four three. Charles Amenahu from Texas. He's a long, lengthy pass rusher. Enjoyed a breakout season this year with the Longhorns. A late addition to this game was Iowa's Anthony Nelson. He played the end position for the Hawkeyes in their four three alignment, but he's more of a three technique tackler or five technique in the NFL. Kind of similar to Zach Allen as far as his scheme versatility, but Nelson is disruptive flashes dominance at times, and he'll need to do that in mobile after being a late add to the roster. Tony, who are you watching on the defensive line? Well, I've always been a big fan of Zach Allen. I think he's ridiculously underrated. I think he is a versatile defensive lineman who could be used in a, in a, at end in a three-man front, could be used at end in a four-man front, could eventually be used as, a, uh, as an under-tackle in a four-man front. Absolutely love his game. I'm looking forward to him. Looking forward to Gerald, Gerald Willis, a guy that was graded as a street free agent coming into the uh, coming into the season. Didn't play in 2017. Now is poised to be a, a second round pick. Obviously Montez Sweat. We talked about him. Tremendous college pass rusher, but a tall, thin guy. Want to see in those one on ones how he holds up. You know, is he able to defend the run or is he getting blown off the point of attack? One guy I am. Really anxious to see is Rennell Wren of Arizona State, guy who is moving up draft boards. Uh, spoke with some people during Shrine Week practice, and they say they cannot wait to see this guy. He they they consider him a three down lineman, six foot five, two hundred ninety five pounds, can be a two gap end, very athletic. Didn't have. Gaudy, Gaudy Stacks at Arizona State last season, but basically he was lined up at nose tackle and was asked just to occupy the gaps and hold on to the blockers and let everyone else uh, make plays. And he never complained about it. He did a good job of it. Now you see him in the, we'll see him in those one-on-ones in the pass rushing drills. I think he's going to let loose and I think he's going to come out of the uh, the Shrine Game, uh, the Senior Bowl as a winner. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, a guy you mentioned, obviously I have him ranked as a first rounder, tremendous pass rusher. Like Montez Sweat, how does he hold up against the run? Jalen Jelks is listed as a defensive end. We'll see if they line him up in the three-point stance or do they use him standing up over tackle? Do they use him in pass cover drills? We talked about this last week with uh, Landis, Landis Durham of uh, Texas A&M and the Brelford kid out of Oklahoma State, and they never did it. I hope they used they put Jelks in coverage and use him standing up and allow him to play in space. I'm a big fan of Anthony Nelson. Not a great playmaker, but I got a guy I think is going to be a terrific two-gap end. I like Brian Cowart. I liked him at Auburn. I liked him even better this year at Maryland. I think he's got a lot riding on the line. We mentioned our buddy Amenahu. You mentioned Zimenez, uh, who's a great college pass rusher. Again, do they stand him up over tackle? Do they let him play in space at 6'3 and a half, 250 pounds? Or does he just, does he just come out of a three-point stance? 
Carl Granderson was given third-round grades coming into the season. He fell flat last year, really had a poor year. He's got a lot riding on the line. Kalen Saunders, under six foot one, 315 pounds, explosive three-technique type. Going to have to see if he can get off blocks. And then there's John Kaminsky from Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, terrific athlete, incredible measurables, but we want to see how he does against a high level of competition. You know, I've stated all along that I believe that the 2019 draft can be a historic draft at the defensive line. you got great guys at the top, and you're going to have some good guys at the Senior Bowl who are going to fill in the second, third, and fourth round. They're going to be productive players uh, at the next level. These guys that we just mentioned that we're going to see next week are just a continuation of what we're going to see at the top of the draft next April, or this April, I should say. It's 2019. Yes, it is 2019. It's coming up quick, and sometimes I forget about that, too. Speaking of something we won't forget, though, we're going to take a look at the linebackers at the second level here. The North squad looks to be stronger in this positional group, led by Notre Dame's Tavon Coney. He's an instinctive tackling machine. Last two seasons, he's been well over 100 tackles. He has baseline NFL athleticism, looked to be a little bit improved in that area this year. So a good week in mobile could mean a second-day selection for Tony, or for Coney. Sorry, you're confusing me over there, Tony. Uh, his teammate Drew, Qua- Drew Tranquil is an explosive athlete, sideline-to-sideline speed, doesn't quite read and react as quickly as Coney. So while those two are different players, they're definitely both guys to watch coming out of the Fighting Irish program. Jermaine Pratt out of NC State is a good athlete who had great production this year as both a tackler and a pass rusher. What we'll need to do this week is watch him in coverage. That's going to be his biggest test, especially against Josh Oliver and Dax Raymond at the tight end position. Now, Otara Alaka from Texas A&M, he kind of headlines the South linebackers here. Bounced back nicely this year after a poor junior season. I know you really liked him off the sophomore film. He's tough. He's explosive. He makes plays in every direction. He can penetrate the backfield. Had 14 and a half tackles for loss and four sacks this season. On the inside, we have Auburn's Deshaun Davis and Stanford's Bobby Okereke. Both guys who are very productive players at the college level. Guys we had stamped as late rounders entering the season. There's some athleticism questions on them. Tony, what do you make of the linebackers? You know, I love Coney. He's a great football player. We'll have to see what kind of speed he has. He's a guy who basically sees the play and basically predicts what's going to happen and gets to the spot before it unfolds. Makes more plays on his instincts than his athleticism, so we want to see his uh, speed. It's kind of the opposite for Drew Tranquil. He is a phenomenal athlete. I mean, I was just doing my uh, my Notre Dame tape, and, and Tranquil was able to cover slot receivers. He's that athletic. But he's not as instinctive as Coney, and sometimes he's a little bit late reacting. You put those guys together, and you may have Jermaine Pratt, a guy that's got great measurables, 6'2 238, 240 pounds, runs and plays in the low four sixes, is a complete three-down linebacker, tough against the run, outstanding in coverage. We're not going to really see him blitz too much, but I want to see him in cover drills. want to see if he can cover the linebackers or the running backs, uh, if he's able to match what, what we've seen on film. Ben Benagu of uh, TCU is, is an interesting guy. Someone who is a terrific pass rusher, often came out of a three-point stance. Is he going to be able to play in space? Chase, Chase Hansen, someone we've often mentioned on this uh, podcast, great athlete, former safety. Want to see how he holds up against blocks and holds up against the run. We know about him in, in uh, space. We know about him in coverage. We know about him in pursuit. Bobby Okariki of Stanford, a guy that I've had highly rated. Doesn't time very fast. Doesn't look great with the measurables, but is a terrific football player. I, I think what we're looking at here is, you know, there may be two or three starters at the top. 
you're looking at a lot of situational linebackers, but a, a lot of guys that I think can make an active roster at the next level. Now we'll take this to the secondary, and it's interesting to note, looking at the rosters, that there is only one corner under six feet tall at the Senior Bowl this year, and that's Clemson's Mark Fields, who was a late add. I believe he was actually added Friday. Of the corners, the most interesting one to me is Temple's Rocky Asin. We talked about him a little bit leading into the bowl game because he wasn't playing. He actually will get a chance now to face Daniel Jones. Temple faced Duke in that bowl game. So he's now going to face Daniel Jones in this setting rather than the bowl. He's listed at 6'2", 190 pounds, started his career at FCS Presbyterian, got out of his scholarship when the school downgraded from the FCS level to the Division II level, came to Temple. He's a good cover corner with impressive ball skills, good length. He was actually sick during that bowl game. Hopefully he's well over that illness by now, and he can really perform this week. Texas's Chris Boyd is one to watch on the North team. He's got good size. He flashes a day-two skill set, sticky in coverage, a willing run defender, just like a couple of the quarterbacks we mentioned and some of the other players. The real key for him this week is going to be consistency day in and day out. Now, looking at the safety position, to me, it appears to be one of the stronger positions in Mobile. Joining Boyd on the North squad is Delaware's Nasir Adderley, an FCS player with FBS skills. He's a good athlete. He's got good range. He's physical in run defense. Personally, I'm really excited to watch him. Obviously, didn't get a ton of exposure to him this year, so it'll be really good to see what he can do in Mobile. And I'm also excited for several safeties on the South squad. Mississippi State's Jonathan Abram, Kentucky's Mike Edwards, Virginia's Juan Thornhill, Abram isn't really a rangy safety, but he defends the run well. He's a physical player, and he's good in coverage between the numbers. Thornhill is a very solid player just overall. He's got experience at cornerback as well. All three of these guys can be day two picks. I know you like Edwards more than most, so I'll leave him to you. What are your thoughts on him and some of the other guys in the secondary? Spoke with people last week about Edwards. Uh, my affection for him is known. I said they, they asked me what I thought about him. I said probably third round, and they agreed. So here's a guy in Edwards who came into the uh, came into the year with seventh round grades, and the scouts that I spoke with last week at the Shrine game uh, feel he's a third rounder. Now, what's going to happen is he's very good facing the action, and, and one of the beauties of the Senior Bowl is the safeties are going to line up against wide receivers in one on ones, and the safeties are going to have to show that they can cover, that they can backpedal, flip their hips, and get then get their back, head back around and track the pass in the air. If Edwards is able to do that, I feel coming out of Senior Bowl week. He will cement himself as a uh, second-day pick. I agree with you about Adderley of Delaware, a guy who I like, very explosive on film, hard-hitting, excellent range, has got good interception and good ball numbers. I want to see him do it in one-on-one coverage. Uh, Will Harris of Boston College, he's he's basically a poor man's Mike Edwards. Very instinctive, physical, plays within the system. Speed is a big question for him. Juan Thornhill played some cornerback, played some, uh, played some safety at uh, Virginia. I've been watching him since he was a sophomore. I like his game. We'll see how he does in those one-on-one uh, drills. Same thing with uh, Jaquan Johnson of Miami of Florida. Like previous uh, hurricane safety, he's just an explosive hitter and a guy who brings it up the field. But can he make plays with his back to the ball? And I think it'll be imperative for Jonathan Abram to show that. We've talked about Abram multiple times on this podcast. He's an explosive hitter. He's a guy with a great head on his shoulders. He's instinctive. He is a dominant run defender. But can he play the pass? Is he a guy who is basically just a downhill between the numbers safety? Or is he someone that you can play over the slot receiver? If he shows good ball skills, he's going to go in the second round. But if he doesn't show the ability to, you know, in those one-on-one drills and teams think he's a liability over the slot receiver, he could fall. As far as the, uh, the cornerbacks are concerned, I agree with your Rocky Asin. 
Love his game. Guy who was great as a street free agent coming into the season is now poised to potentially be a second day pick. The thing about Yasin is we want to see his long speed. Is he able to stay with the receivers downfield or is he doing a lot of chasing? Two uh, corners from Texas or the state of Texas, I should say, Chris Boyd of Texas and Isaiah Johnson of Houston. Both guys who are very effective facing the action. But again, you know, like some of the safeties I mentioned, they got to show well in those one-on-one uh, drills and be able to get their head back around. Spoke earlier about Amon Marshall. I'm excited to see him. And, of course, Corey Ballantyne of, of, uh, of Washburn. Decent size, solid ball skills. There have been a lot of really good small school uh, corners that have come, or small school defensive back that have come out of the senior bowl. Dominique Rogers cromartie not too long ago. Before Rogers Cromartie was Rashawn Mathis of Bethune-Cookman, a guy who I loved in college, went to the Senior Bowl, showed he was able to step it up at the next level. If uh, Washburn cornerback Corey Ballantyne does that, he's going to get drafted and a lot of teams are going to fall in love with him. Now, Tony, before we wrap up the show here, are there any overarching themes or things you want to see from the Senior Bowl game as a whole this year? Obviously, it's no longer run by Phil Savage. It's now run by Jim Nagy. So there are going to be some changes. We don't necessarily know what yet. But what are you kind of looking for from this experience this year? And how do you feel there's a chance it might be different than years past? Well, you know, Phil Savage did a lot of good things at the Senior Bowl. And I I think one of the more important things he did was he turned the Senior Bowl interview process into something that was similar to the Combine. So what happens is, is these teams get to go there and interview all these seniors or all the players participating in the Senior Bowl. Some of these guys are fourth-year juniors. And that takes a lot of the legwork away from them for the Combine so they can actually interview more uh, players. I hope they keep that. We'll see what happens if we're allowed to, you know, our access to the field, our access to the players. Phil was pretty good about that. I mean, listen, doesn't matter what happens you know, like I said, I've been going to practices since 2000. What what and what matters is the play on the field, the practices on the field. You know, all the the peripheral stuff is nice, but what we got to see is we want to see is is the practices and the play on the field. And, and I don't think that I do not think that will change at all. And that's all for the 28th episode of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to send us questions to answer on the show. Next time you hear from us, we'll be from mobile, hopefully weather pending, where we'll have in-depth coverage of all the practices for you before we head back north. And make sure to visit draftanalyst.com for all your draft-related information as well. Until then, for Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi, signing off.